So much is changing. I, I'm convinced it's because of the increase in prayer canopy, just coverage. I'm telling you, God is so good. I was in Texas, give you a quick little update, um, but um, when I was there, I was just, I was two days, and then I was longing for being here. I was just like, oh, bring me home, bring me home. And they're like, Sean, we just started, the conference just started, and um, which was an amazing conference, by the way, but uh, it was just powerful. But I was like, two days, get me home, because I wanted to be here. There's something that is so extraordinary happening here. And so I just, I finally got in. I took a day to recoup and unpack and just get somewhat organized, um, and then came in to pray. And it was a couple people, and then... Well, I, it started all night. I was stirred, like, in my sleep. And I woke up and just, like, I, and I'm not a morning person, so this was extraordinary event in itself. But I came in, I just started feeling like, man, someone, I hope they're contending in prayer tonight. I hope they're contending in prayer. And so I, I just got my car at, like, I think it was 4.30 or something, and just said, I got to go to the church, and I got to pray pray there. I got to contend. And I wanted to get there before six because, you know, if you study that eight watches that I kind of told you guys to delve into a bit, eight watches, prayer watches, you know that the four to six, the, the, really the, the 12 to six is like a time of declaration, warfare, you know, declaring, you know, thwarting the plans of the enemy. And so I wanted to get there before six because I had this stirring in my heart. Um, and so I got down here, and I walked in, and lo and behold, Josiah was here. And I was like, yes! You know, I get to pray with my brother here. And I knew that, if you know Josiah, you know that he was contending. So I was like, yes, there's been contending tonight. And so I got here, and it was just such an honor to be able to pray with him. And just, it, it was so awesome just to pray together and really just go at it. And so I, I want to say this, that... I feel like we're being called up to the next level in this whole prayer initiative, right? And that is this, that one is not the expense of the other. We have coverage, right, over all the blocks. But sometimes it's one person, which is fine. But what I'm calling us to is to kind of set a goal that we are going to try to kick it into the next level, not at the expense of not having coverage, but I'm saying kick it to the next level and let's get two people in each block. Let's pair up and partner together so that we could work together and bring a, a synergy, a prayer of agreement. And that's going to take some of you, some of you who have this warfare thing in you, like you want to fight. You want to fight against principalities, powers. You want to declare. You want to stand against darkness. You have that in you. Anyone who's an evangelist in here, you have that in you. It's like rumbling inside you, this desire to want to contend with darkness, break darkness. Some of you are going to have to be tired one day and come from the 12 to 6 time slots and begin to really contend and break through in prayer. I mean, I've longed for it so much, I've come to a few now in the middle of the night. And some of you say, well, you're up that late anyway. Not, not really. Not, not to where you're in the 12 to 6 zone of like, you know... 
But some of you need to make that decision. If it's in you to fight and you have that evangelistic thing, you have that prophetic thing where you want to just contend with darkness, you, it's in you. You're a fighter. You need to make that a priority and come. And if I just felt like it was really clear. I was in this prayer block. I just lost it again. I just was in, when I came and just prayed, I just, it's been a little bit because I've been in Texas and I just, God wrecked me. He just overwhelmed me and I just lost it. I just started weeping again. And I was like, oh, this is so strange, but it's so good. And I love him so much. And I just sat there saying, man, it hasn't, he hasn't diminished in his manifest presence. He has not stopped. He hasn't relented. And the enemy hates it, folks. And so I want to challenge you. Let's take it to the next level and start to double up coverage and start pressing in after this thing. There is profound effects of prayer that are happening all over the place with us. It is intense. It's not about your feelings or anything like that. It's about the fruitfulness of the effective and fervent prayer of righteous followers and lovers of Jesus. That is what this is about. That's not my message. It's just like was on my heart this week because I wrote it right in my phone journal because I was like, man, he's calling us. We got to press in. And Part of my message today is along these lines. Um, by the way, pray for, I think Brennan, Brennan's in Laconia this morning, right? With uh, Alex Madden. Pray for them that they, you know, have a fruitful time. We just lift them up, Lord. And we just, we pray for powerful demonstration of your spirit, Lord. Articulation, um, the right words, the powerful word in season and out. And Father, we just pray right now for that, that as they're in that, at the Laconia Church, Father, we just pray that life would be released in a powerful way. Break something open this morning, Father. Lord, also be with Stephanie on her way back. Lord, keep her and Nathaniel safe and let everything go efficiently, Father, in Jesus' name. She went up. She just found out yesterday. I mean, this is like God is answering prayers, providing. There's a real shortage on cows. And so um, it's very difficult to find grass-fed cattle. It's, I'm telling you, folks, things are getting kind of strange. But she found out yesterday on Craigslist, she found this deal. And so the ministry is going to make like 10 grand off this one transaction. It is incredible. Like she, she was like, God has provided a ram in the thicket. This is amazing. So she decided yesterday to drive to New York with the cattle trailer and pick up some cattle. And um, so that's what she was this morning. And she left at 2, 3 o'clock and then called me super early and asked for some advice. But um, pray for her that she gets back. Um, I thought the message last week with Noah was amazing, right? You know, I loved some of the aspects of calling the body into greater maturity and function. It's an invitation into his way. And he shared the more, bear, the more that he's burying himself in the heart of God, he's seen that this move will separate the sheep and the goats, that our life is not our own. And I want to talk just, just a little bit about a, key, a few keys that I'm, I'm seeing right now in this season. You know, God is extraordinarily great. He's drawing attention to himself, 
and he wants to be known through his people like a proud father, like he really, really cares for each one of you. He cares for us. He is not, I love the word about dead religion and that came forward. You know, this is what I'm, I want to preach on this morning when I get to it. Um, but um, it's, God is so great. He is not compartmentalized. He's not this small God that cares about you in the four walls of a church building. He cares about every aspect of your life, your business, your relationships, your family, your fruitfulness in life, all these aspects. He's one big God. He is not specialized in church or specialized in religion. He is a God of all the universe, all life, and he cares about all aspects of who you are and what you're doing and what's set before you. He is massive. He's extraordinarily great. He's timeless. He's completely familiar with every square inch of creation. I don't know about you, but I always have these ideas of being thrown out in the middle of the ocean. And it just freaks me. I, I like, somehow I got on these reels that talk about, you know, mariner life. And it has these massive ships caught out in sea in these big storms. And it's like 60 foot waves and just crazy stuff like that. And when I watch it, I'm like, ah. But God is there. He's in the very depths, the deepest parts of the oceans. He's in the highest parts of space, the most remote places we haven't seen. God is so expansive. He's massive. He's great. He's powerful. He's mysterious. If you, I'm not preaching the message yet. I'm just sharing a few things on my heart. I don't want you to get confused and say he's all over the place. I haven't started yet. It's just some of the rumblings in my heart over this past week that, like, you won't figure him out. And if you think you have, you are at best ignorant, at worst, religious and arrogant. Like, we just, oh, I know my God. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. You know him enough to be saved is what you know. But you don't know his mysteries. He's the God that has kept mysteries intact for thousands and thousands of years. So much so that Satan and all his cohorts couldn't figure out the mystery of his crucifixion on that cross. So they went along with the plan and killed this perfect lamb and released salvation for all humanity. I mean, guys, this is powerful. God is mysterious. And so if you're bored with God, you have a problem. I mean, really get a hold of this. There is a problem in you because you're bored with God because you don't realize how amazing and great he is. Okay, I should just share what I felt like the Lord laid in my heart. Those are keys, though, folks. This is all part of this prayer thing that God's doing is he's trying to awaken us. He's trying to, like, get us to be perseverant enough that we just aren't in for a thrill. But we're really willing to say, like, you know, God, I am here. I'm going to do the right thing because you are worthy. You're worthy of it all. And, you know, that's why 
out of this giant congregation in the other room in this room, right, there's very few that are participating regularly in this prayer. And, and what's, and I'm not saying this to condemn, I'm saying there is an invitation, like Noah shared last week, an invitation to step into an eternal perspective and begin to, like, meet this incredible God. And I would say this, I, I'd venture to say this, and I think I'm safe in saying it, that if you aren't participating here, chances are you're probably not participating at home. I know there's a lot to do, and I do. I watch live stream even when I'm not here. But the point is, is that God is calling you. And when I said you, it should have hit you every single heart in this place and, and the next room. That God's calling you to participate, to be involved, to pray, to allow him to start to do something in your heart. Folks, we are so stale so stale. And you know, even when we think we're not, it's just a matter of perspective. We've been so dead and stale that a little excitement thinks, oh, I'm, I'm a revival. He didn't intend you to be stale. He didn't intend you to be complacent. He didn't intend you to be non-participatory. And this is, this is really what my, I mean, if we just had, I don't know, I bet you 10 to 20% are actively involved. And I just see God's heart is so big and he's inviting people in and saying, oh, if you just give me a chance, your life would be more efficient. Your time would feel more productive. Your heart would be full you wouldn't struggle so much inwardly. You'd have a peace that would pass understanding and, and trust you into a place where you're mastering your life and being fruitful and not being subject to everything, all the weights. There's a place of freedom he's calling you into where like you actually feel free. You feel like in Acts 2, that sense of awe. You walk through the day going... Oh, God. He really wants faith to become integrated in your life. He doesn't want it some separate compartmentalized thing where God is some compartment. But there, there's, there's a couple points here. I'm going to just begin to share. Um, there's a lot we, in this Texas trip we went on regenerative soil that, you know, Joel Salatin was there, and there were so many parallels of what he was talking about. And what I'm going to do in my message, for those of you who will like a real clear format, right? And so that when I'm done, you won't wonder what I talked about, right? One is that you are called to participate in the things of God, you are called to participate. It is key. It's, it's essential. It's not even like, like, uh, like an add-on. It is essential. We're going to look a little at that. And then two is that diversity is essential. Participation and diversity, which means that you cannot have diversity with just yourself. And just a couple of your best friends doesn't create diversity. <laughs> See, diversity is when people annoy you because they're so different than you. That's diversity. 
And that's what you need. It's essential. It's essential. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some parallels to soil and regenerative farming and some of the comments that Joel Salatin made, and then we're going to bring it into just constantly go back to this spiritual condition of us as the church, like what it means to us, how these parallels really are about our Christian walk and our Christian life. Um, you know, part of, part of what he shared, one, one of his messages was it started with a cultural lie. We were told to disengage and not participate. That we didn't have to participate. We could leave it to the specialists. You know, and when we're talking about this, this is all part of the gospel. Because God didn't introduce the gospel as some narrow concept. I know it has a, a narrow application for salvation. But salvation is about us being transformed for all of life. It's not compartmentalized. It's broad. Affects everything, all culture. Why do you think he said, I've called you to be the salt and the light to all creation? That doesn't mean like in four walls of a church. It's expansive. It's why the Great Commission says, go and baptize. Declare, preach the gospel. Go and baptize and teach them all things that I have taught you. It's this expansive, it's not like go and teach them what soteriology is, like what the topic of salvation is. He was pressing them to, it's about all life. You are salt and light to all aspects of life and culture, right? So Selatin said that it starts with a cultural lie that you're not called to participate. And so in education, you know, they said, leave it to us. Parents, give us your children and we'll raise them and influence them for the majority of their conscience waking moment. How has that worked out? In our society, how has that worked out? How is the next generation doing here? You know, in energy, leave it to us, depend on electric and gas. We'll take care and deliver to you. If anything were to happen, as it's happened throughout history, many would not even survive. Can you imagine, what if tomorrow, for long term, you know, <laughs> I went gas. Oh boy, my whole house is gas. So I run out of propane and everything in my entire house shuts down. Electric, same thing. My point is, is what if it did stop? Are you so dependent because you've relegated participation? You are not participating in your energy needs anymore. I just want you to think through some of these things and the implications, right? Economics, we're beginning to see shaking in this area if you're dependent on banks. How about food? Leave it to us. We will take care of you. We are Walmart. And you could just come and you could, you know, come and whenever you need something, you'll have it. Well, I, I'll say this. In New England, we were very blessed. We, we, even during some of the shortages, I was getting pictures from California from my friends there. And you would look down a wide, long aisle like Walmart. And the, the shelves were completely bare. And I don't remember that happening so much here. I, I think we had, we're kind of New England. It's like this bubble of, you know, I don't know, in that area provision. But there's parts of the country, folks, that people could not find things. I know we had like our certain items were missing. 
right? And then we had a period of time, if you remember in the construction industry, we had periods where everything was fine and then there was this time delay where like a year later, you're like, I can't get what I need. I waited for, I think, a year or so for a special order door. It was crazy, some of the delayed supply chain shortages. Well, listen, there's, you know, this is, one of our churches got a, like two churches that I know have got calls from DHHS. They, they run food pantries and they told them the supply shortage is imminent. Stock up as much as possible in your food pantries because there's going to be a need. This is like government organization. I was meeting with a town official the other day for an inspection and they start telling me, well, I hope you're putting some food away and actually got some guns because people are going to come for your food. And I was laughing because I'm like, well, you don't understand. Like, we actually have a whole community that we care about. And so we're called to actually help meet people's needs. But listen, we can't possibly do it from a a centralized position. It's going to take the entire body of Christ being like Joseph, like, like planning for the future, storing up, stocking up to be an answer to our society and our, and our communities. It's why Stephanie is, she's, she's lit with all this farming stuff, not just so that she can use it as a medium for ministry. She wants to help provide an answer to community and say, hey, we actually have a greenhouse with vegetables. We have, we have cattle, we have produce, we have all of these things that we're trying to not just stash up for ourselves. We want to have an answer and be able to offer peace in turmoil. Long-term sustainability. Anyway, so, you know, when's the last time you were actively participating in your food? You know, U.S. has become the number one in chronic infectious disease and morbidity. This is what Joel said. Interesting land. Leave it to us. You know, and in the farming industry, they say, and the majority, use fertilizer. They don't do regenerative processing. You know what fertilizer does? It strips the land. The land becomes useless without that fertilizer. Well, guess who creates a lot of our fertilizer? Who said it? Russia. And now fertilizer, I forget the exact stat, but it's like five times in price. It's just skyrocketed. And farmers are hurting it. There's farms Farmers losing their farms. Do you know there's this stat, I think um, Steve Clow will verify this, but let alone it takes like hundreds of years to get one inch of topsoil. Joel Salatin can create an inch in less than 12 months with regenerative farming. And you know, I know that this, we're not going to spend this whole message talking about regenerated farming, but the point is, is that, you know, we went to Texas and we went to two ranches. One was more of an environmentalist approach. So they've actually removed the cattle from the land because they were experiencing drought. And so if you know anything about soil, there's unregenerate soil. When it rains, it just is like a piece of plastic. The water just runs off, and you have erosion and all kinds of things. Well, with regenerative soil, the whole chunk of the top of the soil becomes like a sponge. 
And so the water comes in and it doesn't run off. It sits and soaks there and is held. So even when, when we were having drought, you know, a couple years ago and the fields were getting kind of brown, our friend Steve Normington's fields in Litchfield were bright green and just thriving. Why? Because there was soil trapped in the deposits of that top layer. And one inch of soil over an acre can hold 20,000 gallons of water. Can you imagine 12 inches? A quarter million gallons in one acre. Staying there, just like in a sponge. Now, why am I so fascinated about this? Because I also saw the parallels. When we're talking about all of this, you know, like Dreamer's Ranch thing, regenerating soil, regenerating lives, right? How many of you have your soil of your heart with a base of organic topsoil that holds the water of God? How many of you are like a piece of plastic inside and God pours out on you and goes, run off. And then you wonder, I just prayed yesterday. Why am I so dry? Because your soil in your heart is not regenerated. Why do I get touched by God? And then I just feel like, oh, the next morning you wake up. Oh, man. Oh, why am I so unsatisfied in life? I'll tell you why. Because your soil isn't deep. And I'm telling you, part of where God is leading us in this whole thing, and I'm talking about participation in different areas, is that he's trying to get us to be able to hold the water of God, the living water, in a way that when drought hits us and calamity and turmoil, we're like, I'm all set. I got plenty. I can go through an eternal drought and I will be so full. Oh, you need some water? Come here. Wham. (laughs) Relationships. Leave it to us, this lie of individualism. You don't need anyone else to make it. Even in faith, people think, all I need is Jesus. I don't need anyone else. I mean, this is so true. People become an island to themselves and think they were created to hear from God alone. It is not the case throughout all scripture. You have been purchased and bought and placed in a wall of living stones. You were created for community. You were created to need the diversity of others. You know, this is even in regenerative farming. It's like this idea that we're... We're not doing our own thing. I mean, if you've ever tried homesteading too, like we have the solution. Homesteading, like Solitan says, it's like a homesteading tsunami. Everyone and their mother and brothers doing chickens and a garden and things like that. But if you try true homesteading, it is exhausting and all-encompassing and takes your whole life. But we have the key here at the crossing. The key of the crossing life church is community homesteading. It's this idea of joining together so that we can do this and many hands make work light, yet there's still provision and sustainability. And so we really believe we have this thing that needs to hit the whole regenerative farming industry is like, hey, listen, you don't have to lead a farm all alone. The new thing is doing it together. 
like, and having community farming where we just produce and pretty cool. Um, the more diversity, the better. Um, in, in farming too, it's all about the different animals coming through. Because some animals, if they stay in a field too long, most animals get parasites and all kinds of sickness and all that. They have to constantly rotate around the land to get rid of those other things. And then the chickens, they love parasites and they love like all the things that come out of the other animals. They're like, feast! And they kill the parasites. They kill all these different aspects in the soil that harm other species. But that's what diversity in the body does. There's some things in the body that are a problem for others. And others are like, oh, no problem. Bring it on. <laughs> Diversity in relationships is immunity against disease and difficult times. You know, when difficult times hit, we're all have something to bring to the table to help one another. So we're going to look at a little scripture here too. I'm just introducing us here. How about faith? Leave it to us. Leave it to us. We're the professional clergy. We'll take care of you. Just come on Sunday and everything will be good. That's not what we think here. You know that. We're like, every night of the week, come. Come to first principles and you get established in your faith. Come to encounter and you get set free in your heart. Come and be a part. Join a team. Join leadership. Start training. Start participating, right? So anyway, this is all about participation. Don't need to read the Bible and pray. Just come to church. We'll do it for you. You don't need to shepherd. Relegate your responsibility to healthcare professionals. How does that work out? Further, you know, church, you can relegate your responsibility to speaking to culture. Focus and specialize on what you've been given. Sing kumbaya in four walls of a building. How did that work out? Didn't. So now the church has this incredible opportunity to begin to influence culture and be salt and light and be restored to be able to be a voice of transformation. This is what God's doing, and he's starting with prayer. He's trying to till the deep places of our heart and change us and allow him to be able to express through us. He's trying to strip away all of the spirit of the world that has plagued us. I want to look at Ephesians 4. You know, it's... It talks about unity of the spirit and, and unity in the spirit is all about participation, participation in diversity. And this is where we're headed. This is what God's trying to do in us. And so that's why this thrust of participation, it's not so that we can say, oh, wow, we have two people in a prayer block now. It's about building unity and cultivating alliance together in the spirit of God. So in four, we say, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. It's all this greatness of God. Verse 7, but to each one of us grace was given. According to the measure of Christ's gift, when he ascended on high, he led captive to the cap, cap, captive to the captives, and he gave gifts to people. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended? He who descended is himself also who, he who ascended far above the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some, so we're talking about the graces given. He gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work in the ministry. So we see the fivefold giftings, the grace was given to equip saints so that they could be actively participating. Does this make sense to you? For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. So we see active participation and equipping for participation in the ministry causes people to be mature, to know the knowledge of God, and become united. Listen, it's a key to unity. You cannot become mature unless you participate. That's why I frustrate some of you. Because I'm always saying, come on, you got to get involved. Come on, you got to get involved more and more. Just press in, you know, be involved, be active. Would he be quiet? I'm so tired already. It's our role. It's my role. Get involved, participate, because if you do, you will see such fruit and growth. So to a mature man, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of the Christ. Now that doesn't sound bad, does it? Does it sound bad to be built up as the body of Christ, empowered, strengthened, made stronger, made more alive? Okay. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. That is the alternative to what I'm talking about. The alternative to being equipped for the work of the ministry as an active participator is that you're led astray and you're caught in the web of deception and you miss it. You miss the fruitfulness of what God wants to do. Can you see that here? So what does maturity look like? It's that next verse. By speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects of him. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. We're to grow up in all aspects into him who's the head from whom the whole body, there's diversity for you, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Can you see this? According to the proper working of each individual part, 
causes growth of the body and building it up itself in love. This is all such powerful benefits. Participation is key to unity and maturity. And it starts with prayer. It starts with communion with God. Then it moves into a place of joining together with others in communion with God. Now the practicalities of what this looks like, verse 25, we keep going down Ephesians 4. Therefore, ridding yourself of falsehood. That's what it's not. Falsehood is not that. But speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. Because we are parts of one another. Can you see this? Like it is, it's just reinforcing, reinforcing this idea that you participate and connect with others and you become a participatory, active community where you're speaking truth with one another, where you're supplying one another with what it needs. It's this incredible, like, ecosystem of the body of Christ. And then it says what not to do. Be angry, and yet don't sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Do not give the devil the opportunity. The one who steals must steal no longer. Then it tells you what we should do. Labor producing with your own hands what is good. That is participation. It doesn't say sit at home and hire people to do this. Listen, I'm all about delegation and I'm all about hiring people to do things, but it does not take away the fact we have to participate and work with our hands. We have to be involved. We have to be participating. You know, like, I had a friend who used to always tell me, like, Sean, you can't delegate prayer. And I'm like, I get it, I get it, I get it. But, folks, we can't delegate prayer. You can't say, oh, the church leadership has it. You know, those 20% that come and pray and do blocks. We're all set. We're part of this forerunner, cutting-edge church, and they got a prayer reality going. So if I just go to church on Sunday, I'll be just covered in that. I'm sorry, folks. It won't work. I'm sure there's some benefits, but you have to participate yourself. You got to. You're not going to be able to go, to go to heaven and stand before the throne and say, oh, Lord, you know, <laughs> I got the crossing card. <laughs> you know what we did down there? Wow, it was extraordinary. And he's going to be like, uh, do I know you? I hope he says, oh, I know Sean. Didn't he help lead that community? Yeah, I know him. Now, who are you? You got to participate, folks. It's not about like some duty. It's a relationship with the living God. Do you know what his heart aches for? Do you know how he feels? Do you know how he feels about what's happening in our world? Do you know how he feels about you? Do you know what's in his heart to pray? Do you know what he's thinking? Do you know what he's like?
and not against us? Are we for him? He can be for us all day long, but if we are not for him, folks, labor, producing what his own hands, what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Oh, our church has a homeless ministry and they have like a food bank, so we're all set. We don't have to do anything. I just give them money for it. I'm saying, folks, we got to get out of our heads that we are relinquished from participating directly in the work of the Lord. And it's not about compartmentalized approach like, oh, I tithe, so I don't have to go and serve at the worship night. <laughs> you know, that's our code word for work. We come and work together. <laughs> we don't have to do that because I tithe. And then you say, well, I go to service night, so I don't have to give. No, you don't get it. It's every aspect, every area of our life we're to give. We're to use our gifts for him. We're to use our finances for him. We're to use our energy and breath for him. We're to be involved in every aspect of life. We're to use our tongue and our mouth to, to declare truth. We're to take our family and join together and be an expression as a family. We're to do that as, as house churches, life groups. We're to all come together and we're be able to produce together. Everything's about producing, expressing together participation. So that we have something to share, to participate in giving with the one who has need. No, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but there is any good word for edification according to the need of the moment. Say that so that it will give grace. To, you see what's happening here? God is calling the body into a place of participation where they can actually give what's needed for the moment, whether it be an answer, a solution, an encouragement. I could tell you're all excited. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Compassionate. I love this because if you start really looking through Ephesians 4, it tells you all the things you shouldn't do and then ends with a positive command of what to do. And so I just made bold all the positive commands. I want to read it once just with the positive commands. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, because we are parts of one another. Labor, producing with your own hands what is good. If there's any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, say that so that it will give grace to those who hear. Be kind to one another, compassionate. If we took this, oh, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. If we took just that, that, those seven verses and just took away everything else and just talked about the positive things and lived by that, it would transform the world.
I just skipped like five pages of notes. I think we talked about that, but it's participation and diversity will create unity. And that's my challenge to you today. It's very simple. You know, all this wonderful thing from soil, like, will you allow God to rotate the fields of your heart with the diversity of giftings? You know, like, I'm one of those cows that's in your heart. And I'm going, boom, I'm putting my hoofs in your heart. And you're like, I don't like that. Stop pushing my soil. But you know what happens is the seeds, like we just took a bunch of cows way back behind the church, back by the steel building. We, we have this land that's all clear now. So we, Steph said, oh, you know where we transplant all that sod? Well, we took hay bales, special hay bales with seeds in them, spread them all in there, and the cows, when they go, they love eating in it and laying in it and pooping in it. They just love all that, and so they do it, and then they take all that poop fertilizer and all the seeds, and they walk around, and they put them in the ground, and guess what? You start having a field with topsoil grow, and then you bring the cow, the, the sheep, and the chickens in there, and they peck, 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 aerate things. All these incredible things that happened, and, and it was just dirt, no topsoil. And so all of that now is seeded and the cows are gone. They just came in for a specialty operation and they did it. But like, this is what's happening in your heart. If you're isolated, you don't have diversity. Plotting, pounding topsoil into your heart. You have just your own little arid self where the water of God comes and it just goes runoff. It doesn't go deep. It doesn't transform. It doesn't sustain. It doesn't nourish. And that's what I'm challenging you with is participate. Allow God's blessing to come and his diversity to come around your life. You need the Sean's and you need the Steve's. We're so different, Steve, aren't we? But we need it. And Josiah, he's in a world all of his own. I mean, walking around with three foot long hair, looking like some, I don't know. Bro, the other day I thought you might look like Gollum. That's okay. He'll get me back. He'll, he'll start talking to me. Next time he preaches, <laughs> he'll say something about me. I love it, though. I love him, too. There's no one I'd like to pray with if I was in the trenches in a war and needed a fighter. Just call Josiah. He is like a warrior at heart through and through. We need all this stuff building tops on our heart, and I'm, I want to challenge you. Allow the diversity of God and participate. Some of you, this is as simple. I want to get practical. Some of you, it's as simple as starting to come to a prayer block every week with some other people and stepping out once in a while and coming up and just praying a few words. Be here. Be with others. Be in the presence. Some of you, it might be joining a team. You're like, oh, I don't really help anywhere in the church. Come and just find someone. Come to one of those service days this first week of May. 
and just come and like put down mulch and connect with people. Don't do it alone. Say, hey, uh, I want to help with mulch. Is there someone else that can help me so we can work together? I mean, whatever it takes, start, start cross-pollinating. Start participating. And if your participation is alone, I'm challenging you to do something in addition. Do something where you connect with people. Build relationships. Lord, I just, I pray that you would build unity in us, through us. Lord, help us to participate and receive the diversity of the Lord. I pray for each person here, Father, that you would strengthen them and quicken them to be able to just respond to the word of the Lord, to respond to your invitation like Noah even talked about last week. Lord, really, it's been a, the message for years. But Lord, I pray that you help open hearts and minds to receive that normally may not receive from me, Father. Let them hear your invitation. Let them hear your invitation, your call to come and participate. Your call to come in. Your call to be a part of the household of faith. Your call to open hearts and let things that are uncomfortable happen inside. It's not so you could torment people, Lord. It's so that they could experience the goodness of your nature and the fruitfulness of what it is when you work in our hearts. Oh, and the stability that it brings and the, and the ability to sustain and, and remain at peace in the midst of storms. Lord, I pray for your church. I Let it start here at Crossing Life Church, but I pray for the churches in our region that you would cause them to rise up as participatory, active, and diverse, healthy fields of regenerated lives and hearts. I know, Lord God, that you're trying to prepare us for the harvest. You're trying to get us right first for the greatest harvest we have ever seen in the history of man. Oh, Lord, who is man that you are mindful of him? Who are we that you would choose to come and visit us and start opening our eyes to the goodness when we were calloused and hard and occupied and distracted? Even with such low participation, Lord, you've, you've done something that no one's been able to do or most have not been able to do. We haven't certainly been able to do it. Where you've established a 24-7 expression of prayer and accommodation to you. And then began to use it to change the landscape around us. Changing relationships that were once hostile and now seeing openness and yieldedness to you. Seeing favor of the Lord spring up where it's not been. 
Just thank you, Father. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are. Lord, I just pray for each person in this building. I pray for those watching live stream. Lord, I just pray for a stirring in their hearts. I pray for a new beginning. I pray for a new season. I pray for courage to step out and participate and step out and allow uncomfortable diversity to begin to work. Great grace. I pray for great grace, supernatural empowerment and grace to be spilled out over hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Come on, just take a minute. Respond to God. Ask him to do this in you. Ask him. Say, Lord, speak to me. How can I participate? And Lord, speak. Help me have diversity in my life. Seal this, Lord, in us. let our altar call be Monday morning when we begin our normal everyday life and Father that we'd live differently that we'd express differently I pray for a doubling a multiplication of even even prayer and seeking of the Lord and hunger of the Lord I pray for a multiplication of hunger for God in our hearts Father cause multiplication on so many fronts fruitfulness and multiplication Father continue your work in us come on let's just let's just respond to God here and just take a few minutes here and just talk to him talk to him about what it means for you God what does the message of God mean to you